There are a lot of messed up ideas floating around this world about what Christianity is. I mean, so many messed up concepts about what it means to follow Christ and what the consequences of having faith in Him are. And here's the reality. When you believe a messed up idea, it ultimately leads you to be messed up. It's a big deal. And so we have to understand truth versus false stuff when it comes to following Jesus. Some examples. There are a lot of people who believe that faithfully following Jesus eliminates all problems. Now, I have to tell you right up front, I wish it were true. It would be great. Faithfully following Jesus eliminates all problems. So if you follow Jesus, you have no problems. It's not true. He never said it. And if you try and entrust yourself to that truth, it will mess you up royally. And yet, be careful. There are a lot of people saying it. Well, if you just follow Jesus, everything will be okay. If you just follow Jesus, he'll take care of everything. If you just follow Jesus, it eliminates all problems. It's not true. Another one. There are people who actually teach and say and believe that following Jesus is easy. I mean, when I first came to faith, I kind of thought this was the case. And I was quickly introduced to reality. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus is unbelievably complex. It goes against every fiber of the way we're wired up naturally. Everything I naturally want to do is antithetical to that which is necessary in following Jesus. It is not easy. And know this, he never said it was easy. This is stuff that people have made up. It's just, it's this messed up thought that's messing up so many of us. There are a lot of people who believe that following Jesus makes life easier. No, it doesn't. He never said it makes life easier. And what happens is, when we believe this junk, and then we face the complex reality of living out our lives as we follow Jesus, it causes us to quit. We think that his promise is wrong. We think that he's not real. And we've got to realize it's not Jesus. It's the messed up thinking we're listening to. And one last one. This messed up thought is out there all the time. A lot of people believe and teach. You can hear it all over. You can get books that say it. That if you have enough faith, you can fix anything. No, you can't. It's just not the case. And yet people get discouraged because it's like, well, I have enough faith. How come I can't fix my marriage? I have enough faith. How come I can't fix my health? I have enough faith. How come I can't fix this issue? I have enough faith. How come I can't fix the economic realities of my life? I have enough faith. How come I can't fix this? Because Jesus never said, if you had enough faith, you can fix any problem. Now, he did say, for a little bit of encouragement, that if you have enough faith, you really can deal, ultimately, with anything. If you have enough faith, you can get through anything. If you have enough faith, you can actually experience peace, even in the midst of great storms. But you can't fix anything. That's not right. And if you're here, and I know we have many people who are searching, whether you're watching Northers Church online or you're actually experiencing one of our live services, there are a lot of people searching, coming in, and, and looking to know what following Jesus involves. And there are a lot of Christians who are really wanting to be taught, what does it mean if I'm going to truly commit myself fully to following Jesus? And we are committed here 
Not to making it sound easier than it really is. Not to painting a picture that's not real. Because that's a short-term benefit with long-term agony. We want you to know what it really means to follow Jesus. And it doesn't make everything easier. It's not that way. In fact, let me state the reality for you right out in front. Life on the outside is no different for Christ followers than for anyone else. The life that we experience on this human journey is no different for Christ followers, no matter how faithful, no matter how filled with faith, no matter how spiritual they are, the outside experience of life is no different for Christ followers than for anyone else. In fact, if I could be really, really honest, it's often worse. I mean, look at Jesus. His life wasn't better for being perfect and fully faithfully following God. His life was worse. He got nailed to the cross for it. That which he was despised and hated for came from his faithfulness to God and God's truth because he wouldn't tell people what was politically accepted, what was politically correct because he was really telling them the truth because he wouldn't bow down to their traditions but he was going to tell the truth. He suffered great agony because of it and ultimately was thrown on a cross because of it. And then you know what he said? He said, yeah, you know, the world hated me and just know this, if you follow me, it'll hate you too. So far, it's pretty good sales technique, isn't it? I mean, you ready to buy Jesus? He, he said, yeah, the world persecuted me, and just know this, if you, if you follow me, it'll persecute too. The world persecute you too, and the world didn't understand me, and if you follow me, they won't understand you either. Uh, this following Jesus thing doesn't make all the bad go away. This following Jesus thing doesn't fix everything. This following Jesus thing doesn't make life easier. Often, it makes it even worse. And if we fail to understand that these concepts, which we wish were true, and people are willing to sell us by the bucket load, if we fail to understand that they're not true, we are destined to live lives of desperation and discouragement and despair and ultimately defeat. We will ultimately not finish the journey of following Jesus Christ because we will be so disappointed at how it doesn't live up to the promise. And this is what will happen if you believe the wrong promise. You see, the life-changing difference for those following Jesus Christ is not a change of the outside realities of the journey. The life-changing difference for those of us who follow Jesus Christ happens on the inside. It changes us. And then by changing us on the inside, it changes how we experience this dark and destructive and disappointing and turbulent world. But if you don't get it, that it's an inside transformation, this whole thing's going to disappoint you greatly. And I believe many of us are confused on this front. So as we continue in the series, plus minus, here's the truth I want you to see this weekend. Genuinely following and experiencing Jesus Christ transforms our inner reality and our inner reactions in this world from negative, which they are at birth normally turned towards, to the positive, which Jesus makes possible. Genuinely following and experiencing Christ literally transforms our inner reality, our inner reactions from negative to positive. What's transformed is who we are on the inside, not the world we find ourselves in. 
Uh, let me just show it to you in the Bible, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. We've already seen them in the series. And if you haven't been a part of it, man, we give these talks away online. Go listen to them. But we've already seen that the source of negativity in our world is threefold. Sin, Satan, the evil one, and then our own selfish, sinful nature. And Galatians 5 starts off talking about how we're owned by this sinful nature of ours and these negative sources own us. It says in Galatians 5.19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. You know, because of the way we're wired and drawn and what we long for and desire on the inside, here's what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. If I could just stop here just for a minute and say, if this is your list of aspirations, you might want to change your list. This is who we are by nature. This is how we're wired up. This is why the world is so dark and destructive. It's because we have these these messed up things, desires and longings going on in us. And then it says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who who live according to these motivations and these desires will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, you're just living antithetical to what God created you to be. But then it transfers and it says, but do you want to know what happens to those who follow and experience Jesus Christ? The fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who truly belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, the internal desires and longings that they're born with. They put to death because of what Jesus did on the cross. With all of its passions and desires, they leave it behind. And instead, their inner reactions and their inner responses to this world move from the negative to the positive. It's an inside transformation. And yet so many of us want it to be an outside transformation. We think God's supposed to change our circumstances, our context, our world, the people in our world. And then life becomes easy. Hey, I'm following Jesus. How come I'm not getting a job? I'm following Jesus. How come I'm not getting a pay raise? I'm following Jesus. How come I'm still sick? I'm following Jesus. How come my spouse is still such a mess up? That's just my wife's problem. Um, I'm following Jesus. How come this is going on and this isn't going on? How come? And what we think is God's supposed to change our exterior life. No. It's supposed to be what he's doing inside of us. And so this weekend what I want to do is I want to focus on what this transformation involves and doesn't involve, what the truth is about this transformation. And so we'll just kick it right into it. The first thing you need to know is This transformation of our inner reality, our inner reactions from negative to positive, doesn't happen automatically just because we follow Jesus. It doesn't happen automatically. It requires our involvement. If we're going to ultimately truly experience what Jesus came to do, wrap us up on the inside for life and fullness so that we can experience even this dark world with light still shining within we have to understand that it doesn't happen automatically. Just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean you're there. It doesn't happen without your involvement. It's not like he throws a switch and all is good. It's not what happens. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. It says, you were taught. You were taught this. You're not living this way, but you were taught this. 
You were taught this with regard to your former way of life. You want to know how to get past your former way of life? You want to know how to experience the transformation Jesus has made possible in your life when you follow him? Here's what you were taught with regard to your former way of life. You need to make the choice to put off your old self. Make the choice to no longer make those same kind of choices. Because they're being corrupted by deceitful desires. It's what's by nature in you. And then it says you were taught, if you want to get past your former way of life, you want to experience the transformation Jesus made possible, then you need to be making the choice to let him make you new in the attitude of your minds. You need to let him change the lens through which you're seeing your life and this world and the experiences you have. And if you're really going to experience this transformation, you need to make the choice to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This transformation isn't automatic. And I'm telling you, we don't get this. I I know I didn't. I still have trouble with this. I I know most people I know don't get this. They still have trouble with this because this is how we approach the Christian life, you know. We, We get down on our knees before God, right? And we go, oh, dear Jesus, I have no patience at all. Give me patience. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we get up. And we expect to be filled with patience. And so I get up off my knees and I'm going, man, it's going to be a great day. He's going to switch the switch of patience in my life. Wow! And in three seconds, I'm the most impatient person I've ever been in my life. And I'm saying, what? He's not answering, his, he's not answering my prayer. He's not fulfilling his promise. I, I'm asking him for patience and he's not giving it to me. And here's what I do. I blame him for not giving me the patience I need. He's failing me. I become a victim of him not answering my prayers, a victim of him not fulfilling his promise when he never said that if you just pray for patience, I'll turn a switch on and you'll be patient. And I I don't know about you, but I, I do the same thing with love. I'll pop down on my knees and I'll say, oh, dear God, you know how much I hate people. And I'm just... And I'm just asking you to fill me with just a little bit of love, you know? And and I get up, and I still don't like people, you know? It's like it's an amazing thing. And, And he doesn't do it. And here's what we need to understand. It's not an automatic transformation. It's not you ask for it, and he switches it on. It takes your involvement. If you're going to go from impatience to patience, from hatred to love, from despair to joy, if you're going to go from hopeless to hope, it doesn't just happen. You, you have to be involved in it. Now, he's taken the nature that we're wired up with, that sinful nature, and he's forgiven us, and he's given us a new nature, but we still exist in the same world, with the same relationships, with the same realities, and the tendency is that we just keep responding the same way, even though we've been given a new nature and a new heart. And he's saying, no, if you're going to get beyond the former way of life, if you're going to be transformed, then you need to start putting off the old, putting on new attitudes, new views of this world, and then making new choices. But if you don't involve yourself in the process of becoming patient, in the process of becoming loving, it will never happen. And I am telling you, this is exactly what's going on in most of our lives. God's just not answering our prayers, and so we can't get there. Wrong. You're not making the right choices, and so you can't get there. And the same is true with me. If we're going to experience this inner transformation of 
of our reality and, and how we respond and react to this world from negative to positive, then we have to understand something else about it. It doesn't transform this process of following Jesus. It doesn't transform our present world from negative to positive. It doesn't do that. Now, I, I, I wish it did. I wish that when I decided to follow Jesus, it literally would transform the world from a negative experience to a positive experience. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if just following Jesus changed everything around you? And this is how we act. We think, okay, now, Jesus, I'm following you, and so... I'm expecting you to change my spouse because my marriage sucks right now and it's their fault. And so I, I'm following you now, so change them. And it doesn't change. And I, I'm expecting you to change my, my job situation. I mean, I'm following you now. And so you owe me a job and a new circumstance. And I, I'm expecting you to, to change my addiction problem or change my health problem or change my looks, for gosh sake. Do something. I want you to change the nutritional value of the food I love because I'm following you now. I mean, we expect him to change our present world from negative to positive. We've had arguments around the Thanksgiving table with some of our you know, non-immediate family who actually believe if you ask God to bless the food, he takes all the bad stuff out. Wouldn't that be awesome? It, listen, I love the idea of that because I, for now on, would only eat Krispy Kremes. <laughs> Dear God, take the bad stuff out, put the good stuff in, yum, 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 yum. You know, I mean, that's how I go, but it doesn't work that way. But that's how we live our Christian life. We actually pursue the Christian life as if I'm faithfully following him and really committed to him and giving to him. He's going to change my present world from negative to positive and then it'll be easy to love my spouse and have a great marriage and then it'll be easy to love my boss and have a great career. Then it'll be easy to live in this world and to forgive and all that stuff. But that's not how it works. You see, it's an inner transformation that allows me to experience differently the same negative realities to respond differently to the same negative realities. I'm going to tell you something. Following Christ does not remove all the bad stuff. Following Christ doesn't change the reality that this world is a difficult and desperate and destructive place. Following Jesus doesn't change the choices of the people who are closest to us who bring us the most amount of pain. Following Jesus doesn't do that. It changes us. We need to stop praying, Lord, change my circumstances. And we need to start praying, Lord, change me so that I can experience these circumstances in a different way. You see, we're light in darkness when we're following Jesus. And the light happens because of the transformation within. Acts chapter 14, the disciples, some of them are going around and they're encouraging believers who are getting discouraged because these believers were, were experiencing a world that hadn't changed. They were suffering like Jesus suffered. They were being hated like Jesus was being hated. They were experiencing the difficulties and the darkness of, of being in a negative world. And so they went around encouraging them and they encouraged them by telling them the truth. I believe too often pastors and teachers and Christians try and encourage us by telling us something that's not true. Oh, oh, don't worry about your marriage. It'll be okay. 
Oh, don't worry about your health. It'll be okay. Don't, don't worry about the economy. It'll be okay. Don't, don't worry about this. It'll be okay. Don't worry about the election. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about Brad Powell. I'll fix him. You know, I mean, don't, don't, don't worry about this stuff. I'll do it. And it's, it's false. You know what the real encouragement is? Yeah, the world's tough, the world's hard, and it's not going to change because you're following me, but know this, I'm your shepherd, and I even walk with you through the valley of the shadow of the darkness of death. Look at Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. Then they returned, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, not by telling them something that wasn't true, but by telling them this truth. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Ian was born on August 13th, 1995, and always very calm, you know, just wonderful young little man, but he was an old soul at the same time. He never met a stranger, ever. He loved playing with any kid he could find anywhere we went. I always called him my extraordinary, ordinary son because he had a, a talent. He was a hockey goalie on the ice. And as he grew up, he fostered this gift. It was just a wonderful thing to watch him grow and take this gift that God had given him and nurture it to the point where, um, I mean, it, it was gonna produce wonderful things in his life. I was born in 1987 in Russia. At that time, there was a large nuclear disaster uh, called Chernobyl. And my mother inhaled the radiation and because she inhaled it, I was born with deformities. When I was six years old, I was adopted um, and I came to the United States and that started basically my surgery experiences all in the effort to save my kidneys. And eventually that started not working. Without two functioning kidneys, I have to be on dialysis for the rest of my life or until I receive a kidney transplant. If you're on dialysis, you usually have a 20-year life expectancy. I had so many people say, God will not give you more than you can handle. I wanted to punch them. I literally accepted the fact that I would probably die young. Ian was goofing off being a typical, you know, 15 and a half, almost 16-year-old with his buddies when um, he had uh, fallen off the back of his buddy's pickup truck. And... Um, he had hit his head, and we didn't know how serious, but we knew we had to go to the hospital. And on the way there, I called his pediatrician and told her, please get the neurosurgery team ready, because my son's coming in. And we didn't know how bad. One of the surgeons told us that he had that surgery that didn't look good. I'll be honest with you that I've never seen a head injury this bad where they've survived. We just prayed. We prayed for a miracle. Because we knew. We knew. I wish it were true that if you have enough faith, you can fix anything. I really wish it were true. I wish it were true that if you follow Christ, all the problems go away because we could stop in the middle of the story and we could follow Christ 
and it end up with a fairy tale ending. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? And in spite of what people say, and in spite of how so many people teach it and what so many believe, it's just not true. Following Christ doesn't keep you from stories like this, and following Christ doesn't prevent them from having bad endings. It's through hardship that we enter God's kingdom. The changes don't come in what we experience. The changes come in who we are as we experience them. Which leads us to one other thing about this whole transformation that Jesus does inside of us. We, we need to understand that it isn't the result of positive circumstances. Wow, you changed my spouse. Now I can be a good spouse to them. Wow, you changed my boss. So now I can be a good employee to them. Wow, you changed the direction of our nation. Now I can be a good citizen. Wow, you changed, you know, my health. And so now I can have joy. It's not the result of positive circumstances. It's the result of positive choices where we make the choice to put a different lens on through which we see the world based upon what he's done in us, where we make different choices in what we do. Viktor Frankl was a guy who was in one of the Nazi concentration camps and he ultimately became a prolific writer uh, wrote some very impacting things. But in the concentration camp, he came to realize that no matter what you do, you can't change your circumstances. He had no choice over whether he had to wander around naked or clothed, whether he got beaten to a pulp and slammed to the ground, or he just labored to death. He had no choice over whether he lived or died, or the way in which he lived or died. But he did have one choice, and this is how he says it. The last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. He said, they could control every circumstance of my life, but they couldn't control my choice. That's dead on. But know this, as true as that is, it's tough to make the right choice. And many of us think that, wow, if I follow Jesus, that's enough. I mean... The fact that he's forgiven me and given me a new nature, that's enough now to see the world through the right attitudes and to make the right kind of choices when I face stories like what Gloria and Steve are facing as Ian lays there on the threshold of death as a 15-year-old. But it's not enough. The truth is we need to make the choice to change the lens to match God's truth instead of to match what we see. We have to make the choice. If we're going to make the right choices, then we have to start responding based upon what he's done in us instead of expecting him to change what's going on around us. The story doesn't change out here. The story changes in here. Look at how James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says it. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not because it's a joyful circumstance, because you're changing the lens of how you see it. You're now responding differently because of what's happened in you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because if you look through the right lens, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It doesn't destroy you. It builds you. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can become what you were created to become, 
mature and complete, not lacking anything. I watched Ian change. I watched as his soul left his body. I knew. And a gift of life approached us and uh, talked to us about organ donation. You know, you just understand that it's not your plan, that it's God's plan. So I knew that it was, it would be okay through all this, that if Ian could donate his organs, that if somebody could live through this tragedy, that it's okay because, you know, it's not my decision. God doesn't love me more or Ian more than he loves anybody else. And if somebody else could be saved through Ian, through this gift, then absolutely. One of the pastors at Northridge got a hold of me. I picked up the phone and he said, we have a possible donor for you. And he started asking me questions like, what was my donor number? What was all this? What was my information and stuff? And I. And then he told me where the kidney was coming from. He said that the family came to Northridge and asked if anyone was in need of an organ donation. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to act. I didn't know what to be excited or not excited. I just didn't know what to do. So I decided to be excited because God obviously had a plan. I didn't know what it was, I don't know what it is still, but God had a plan. So because of Ian's gifts, my life has changed dramatically. I feel better than I have in years. I actually work at Northridge now as well, so that's Northridge is my second job. I am making plans and going back to school because I've been off school for over six months, and I'm going into adolescent psychology. Meeting Kevin for the first time was a gift. I immediately went and hugged him, you know, to see him, to know that, you know, this beautiful life sitting beside me is, you know, here, and it's just an amazing thing that God has given. for, but it's the story that was for these Christ followers. We have to stop pretending that following Jesus changes the world we live in, changes the circumstances that we have. It doesn't. It changes us. And that's the beauty of Gloria and Steve and Garrett's life following Ian's death. That's the story. 
that though they experience the same tragic reality that the rest of the world experiences, though they experience the dashing of all their great dreams against the rocks of reality, Jesus can change the inner reality, the inner reaction from negative to positive. And, and we have to understand this. This kind of reaction, the one that they just expressed, and it's not just a video story. This is really how they're living their life. This kind of reaction is the defining and compelling mark of genuine Christ followers. When someone responds to the destructive realities of this world in such unbelievable ways, it's the result of their choice, and it becomes the defining and compelling mark of what it means to follow Jesus. Look at John 13, 35. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's this response that compels people in. Do you realize that many find it impossible to embrace, to believe the promises of Christ because they're not seeing these promises experienced in the life of those people who claim to follow him. They're seeing them embittered like everyone else. They're seeing them respond as if God has somehow failed. Now they're the victims of God not living up to his end of the bargain. And, and because of all this messed up thinking that we try and live out, we live messed up lives. And people don't want to follow Jesus if it's going to mess them up like that. But when they see a response like what you just experienced through Gloria and Steve, it becomes an undeniable reality that they have to deal with. The beauty of this is that those who don't want to believe the promises of Christ or those who don't want to believe the promises of, of following Jesus confront themselves with the inner transformation that takes place in a couple like that and they have to deal with it. Now darkness confronts light. And the light has the chance in that moment to win, to bring hope. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be a demonstration of the reality of what Jesus can do in people. Don't you? Well, if it's going to happen, then you have to understand that this transformation is an inside-out one. It is an inside-out transformation. It's not an outside-in one. And now think about it. Remember what we've talked about. We think it's an outside-in one. You change my spice, my spice, or my spouse. You change my spice, my food will taste better. You change my spouse, my marriage will taste better. I mean, you know, you think I made a mistake there? Oh, no. I'm a Christ follower. I don't make mistakes. Here's the thing. We think it's outside in. You give me a job and I'll have your joy. You give me a better bank account and I'll have more faith. You change how people treat me and I'll be more loving. It's not an outside-in experience. It's an inside-out transformation. Look at how the Bible says it in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's an inside-out transformation. And first of all, I'm going to tell you, it's exactly what I need. I need him to take the heart of stone and to give me a heart of flesh, to take my old messed up heart and to give me a new one, to take my messed up spirit and to give me a new one. And then, when he does, I have the ability, as it says in verse 27, to follow his decrees and to obey his laws. But it's still a choice. Do you see it? Just because he puts within me a new heart and new spirit doesn't mean I'm automatically now making the right choices. All my stories are ending with me responding right now. But it gives me the possibility now to put off the old to put on a new lens and new attitudes and to make new choices. But it starts with the new heart and the new spirit inside out. Can I ask you, have you been waiting for God to change your experiences before you're willing to follow him? Or are you willing for him to change you so that then you bring change to your experiences? That's the starting place. Before I unwrap the last principle and a question, I'm going to ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. And just bow with me in a moment, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. And if you're at church online, I hope that you'd engage this prayer as well. If you're here and you're already a Christ follower, then you have to ask yourself this question. Am I living my faith in a way that expects him to change my circumstances before I change? Am I asking him to change everything around me, but not asking him to change me? Or am I truly looking to him to do the inner work so that I can then make choices to live differently in this world that we find ourselves in. If you're here and you say, I've never even gotten the new heart, the new spirit, that's your starting place. And that's why Jesus came and died on that cross to take your old heart away, your sin away, and to raise from the dead to give you new life. In this moment, you can pray with me. And I just encourage you to, to take my words in this prayer and make them yours. And ask him for that new heart, that new spirit. Just say, God, my heart is messed up. My head is messed up. The way I experience life is messed up. But I believe that you can give me a new heart and a new spirit. And so I, I put my faith in your death on the cross, Jesus. Admitting my sin, I put it on that cross. And I put my faith in you, rising from the dead and I'm asking you to put that new life in me and now help me to make the choices required to obey you in Jesus name Amen if you just prayed with me I really want to encourage you to let us know not just so that we can know though we'd love to know but so that we can send you some information about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God and We've made it as easy as we can. In the program that you're handed when you come into one of our live experiences, there's a little connection card. It's a perforated card on the inside. It's just really easy to rip out. And I'm going to encourage you to, if you just prayed with me, take it out, fill it out. And on the bottom it says, check this box. It says, you just prayed with me to receive Jesus. And then as you leave, there are boxes at every exit. Throw it in there. And we're going to send you a letter about next steps that you can take. 
But, but before that letter gets to you, let me give you two suggestions. The very first is this coming Friday. You don't have to wait very long. This coming Friday is a, a seminar that we do here called Discover Northridge. I actually teach it. It's about a three, three-and-a-half-hour experience. We give you a meal on the front end. But what we're doing is we're trying to help you to understand what Jesus made this life to be like, what he did to make it possible, and how we can receive it, and then how church can come alongside and help you on that journey. It's a very important seminar. To sign up, all you have to do is do it through the program, go to guest services, or go online. We'd love to have you this coming Friday night for that seminar. You can also try a second thing, starting point groups. If you're starting your life of faith or restarting it, it will turbocharge the experience. It's a great one. I hope that you'll step into one of those two environments or both, hopefully. But let me give you this last principle. This thing about transformation, this inner reality, you need to understand that for those who follow Christ, it's not an option. It's a command. What's weird is we look at stories like Gloria's and Steve's with Ian and we go, oh my gosh. I could never do that. But the truth is that for those of us who follow Christ, it's not an option. It's a command. We need to do it. Because he's created it within, and he wants us letting it out. We're light and darkness. Look at how he says it in Ephesians chapter 5.20 through Paul. Always, and you might want to circle that word, always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always. Not just after a good meal. Not, not just after a good night's sleep. Not just when things go your way. Always give thanks to God the Father. It's a command. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4, again through Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's a command to respond in all circumstances without losing our gratitude and our joy. And, and he's not commanding us to put on some kind of fake joy and gratitude, you know? Oh, just fake it. Just fake it. Pretend it. No. That doesn't do anything for anybody. Here's what he's saying. He says, when you truly follow Christ, he so reshapes you on the inside that all you have to do is let that newness out. Let the gratitude out. Let the joy out. Don't lock it within. People need to see the light if they're going to experience Christ. Now, here's how I want to end this weekend's talk. Jesus gave us these words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 20. He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. If good's within, good comes out. But every bad tree bears bad fruit. If bad's within, bad comes out. So you can recognize the tree by its fruit. And this is a metaphor of people. You can recognize true Christ followers not by their songs and not by their words and not by their dress and not by the name of their church and not by their attendance records and not by their giving and not by all that junk. You know how you can recognize someone who's truly following and experiencing Christ? They let the goodness of Christ come out even as they experience the devastations of this world we find ourselves in. And so because this doesn't come naturally for me, I found that I have to consistently ask myself the question, what is it in me that demonstrates to people that I'm not just a bunch of words and no reality, but that this is really Jesus in me? That this isn't snake oil salesman time, but that this is the reality of what Jesus can do in me. What is there in me 
that shows that. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing in your life this week and maybe for the rest of your life to ask yourself this question. What are the unmistakable signs within or without that you are genuinely following and experiencing Christ? What is it in you within or without that makes it unmistakable to you and to others that Jesus isn't just a story you tell but Jesus is a person you know and he's changing you. I hope this week we'll experience the unmistakable reality of what he does within so that when we experience what happens without we experience it with gratitude and joy as light in the midst of darkness and for the next four weeks we're going to look at specific ways he's made it possible for us to make the right choices. I hope you'll invite someone. We'll see you next time.